I'm Dawn Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. You're in the Transporter Room. We are less than two weeks from the U.S. presidential election. And Carly, there's so much going on in the news. Just last night, posted on Instagram, Bryce Kavanaugh, a Fordham alum of women's basketball, came out as transgender. Bryson is their new name. He, him is their new pronouns. And welcome to the family, Bryson Kavanaugh. Bryson, good on you. And he said it all on the Instagram page. Said it all. It was, it was time. I've hit it for quite some time. It's time to come out. And I take it, when I came out, I said the same thing. I'm pretty sure you felt the same sentiments uh-huh. when, when, when you did. And all I could say is, Bryson, there's a big family. There's a whole big trans family that has their arms out to you. Don't be afraid to reach out to it. And read what he said. He wrote, just know that gender dysphoria is a real thing. And I've hit it for quite some time. It isn't like Bryson just decided all of a sudden, oh, I'm transgender. Exactly. And no, people don't come out to win a ball game. No matter what certain people in the world, you know, turfs and transphobes will tell you, no one does this just to do this. And certainly no one does this for sporting glory. No one does. Gender dysphoria is a real thing. And I really hope that people really look at that and really look at this. You know what's cool too? Jennifer Brittany, uh, his girlfriend, is sticking with him. She's had his back, he said. She's still his awesome girl. He concluded, always remember, I'll still be me, just a little different. Ain't that the best? Um, And what's wild is this past season, this past season, they were at the Atlantic 10's Player of the Year. Yep. And they were part of, they were part of an A-10 championship team going through all that and dealing with, dealing with the dysphoria, dealing with all the things that are swirling in your head and still playing at a high level. Yep. I mean that that's a big yeah. it's a big thing and that I mean that's a lot. That is a that's a that's a lot to deal with. I can't even begin at one level we can imagine just what it is going day to day to your work, to your mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Ra- in your case for example, going through this while raising a family. Yeah. yeah. But but imagine going through similar crucibles and you're 19, 20, 21 years old. When you're still just trying to find your footing as a person and dealing with this. I'll give him credit because what Bryson has done is he's made a decision at a young age, whereas you and I had a transition later in life. And that means his whole life is ahead of him. And hopefully this is just going to be open doors. And um, what I love is all the support he's getting on his Instagram post. And I'm just glad we're going to do an interview with Bryson during Outsports. And uh, look forward to chatting with him and uh, getting the load down. And well, maybe we'll have him on the uh, transporter room. What do you think? Uh, I'm all uh, for it. Yeah. I'm all for it. Bryson, I'll just have you know, if you're listening, you have an open invitation to get beamed up. We can't wait to have you on board. We can't wait. Not all the news is good, though. You had a story yeah. this week. Yeah, I know. Monday and... morning. Monday morning, you reported that a... New Hampshire University, under pressure from the Betsy DeVos Department of Education investigators, had buckled under pressure. And, yes, and that university was Franklin Pierce. Now, why is Franklin Pierce such a memorable and, name? Early? And that, Franklin Pierce made, was famous. And, that, bro- and that, bro- that broke my heart reading it. Because the first thing, the first thing was that all, when, when people hear Franklin Pierce, they remember CeCe Telfer. That's the word. That's the name. To see. You put the them on the map. In many ways. Yes. The school that get the school that produced the first transgender student athlete 
to win an NCAA individual championship in the gender in which they identify. Track and field, exactly. And, and track and field, 400-meter hurdle champion in 2019. Um, I'll admit I'm still, I'm still rather saddened by it. I'm still very upset by the decisions that was made. And we reached out to the particulars of Franklin Pierce. They, Did they ever get all, back to you? All Fran- well, they got back to me in the form of, the, of their official statement. Oh, they just sent you the statement they put out. Yeah. They, they got the back statement. to me in the form of the official statement. We did reach out to the to the dean of compliance, dean for compliance of Title IX. Did reach out to athletic director. I even reached out to CC Telfer. Telfer declined comment. Well, on the advice on her attorney's personal, advice, right? Yes, on advice of her personal attorneys. Franklin Pierce put out the they put out the release saying that hey, we regret doing this, but federal law compels us to do it when the fact of the matter is all it took was one phone call to chase strangio to to understand that no federal law does not compel you to do this no title nine is protect title nine protects transgender people right they're using they're using an interpretation of federal law of title nine they're using an interpretation to basically threaten to withhold education funding that obviously franklin pierce desperately needs I mean, that, I mean, a lot of schools need it because look at what's happened in this coronavirus. Look at the number of schools that have had to cut programs, yep. have had to cut things back. Oh, how much money they had to put out to protect children and faculty? Yes, absolutely. Yes. But the thing that really, Don, what bothers me the most about this situation is Franklin Pierce, at one level, some people could say, okay, you took down a statement from your, you took down a statement from your compliance website as part of the agreement that they signed uh, with the OCR. uh, And you're basically saying you're you're paying lip service. On the surface, a lot of people think that this doesn't mean anything. And in a legal sense, it may not. But what it did do is it gave gave a PR victory to, it gave a, a PR victory to a front group, the Concerned Women for America. Because what the CWA and what groups like the ADF as well can now say is, we got a school in quote unquote liberal America to see it our way. They're well, hoping for I, a I domino effect. Parts of New Hampshire are very conservative, so but it, New England is notoriously uh, liberal. No, well, isn't there? Yeah, no- I mean, yeah, you could say that. You could say that as well, and that's a fair statement. But they're but the way they're going to spin it as we got a school in in liberal New England to see it our way. Absolutely. And then you have New Haven. Let's talk about New Haven. New Haven had some news. They actually turned the dial the other way. They beat the feds. And the and they managed and their board of education said that from the beginning. We're going we are going to fight for our kids. And they said that up front. And I love, I like the strong United Front that the New Haven Board of Education put up. They said, no, we're going to fight for our kids. And if you want to come after us, Betsy DeVos, we'll see you in court. And it was that type of steadfastness that New Haven showed. And before them, that Stanford's Board of Commissioners showed with their resolution in, in August into September that really kind of lit the fire under Ned Lamont to get off the fence and get in the game. That's true. So so, so $3 million in uh, federal funding supporting specialized programs at five magnet schools in that New Haven district. That was forked over by the Department of Education, and it, it basically ends the fight that Betsy DeVos lost and New Haven students won. Yep. It ends, it ends a fight for the moment. Because I have to mention your excellent art, um, article in Forbes. Because in many ways, that's, what, that's what's on the ballot November 3rd. That's on the ballot November 3rd. Betsy DeVos is a ballot issue. And yeah. people like her are ballot issues. You know, Monica Roberts, it still pains me to say the late Monica Roberts, and it, when it will for some so time. Hard to believe. Yeah, she said it best. And even a person like me who may not totally agree, may not totally agree, because you know how, uh, 
how I am politically, and I was diametrically opposed in some ways to Monica, but Monica makes a hell of a case here. She said, you really want a revolution? Fire every Republican. True. Fire Betsy DeVos. That's what it comes down to. That's why I wrote the article. You have a choice. You can basically vote for Betsy DeVos to continue her reign of terror, or you can vote in favor of trans student athletes who just want to compete and just want a chance. Exactly. And also with that in mind, another article written by Don Ennis. What's that? You, you just bust your arm patting yourself on the back. Basically. Oh, no, I don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> Basically, she lied. And no, and it was a succinct, sharp headline, but it told the facts about Amy Coney Barrett. Well, I got to tell you, I felt that without getting political, that no matter what your political stripe, you should know that under oath, Amy Coney Barrett, some people are calling her Amy COVID Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett needs to be reminded that under oath, you have to tell the truth. And she told the committee to um, Senator Leahy of Vermont that she doesn't know what the of Lions Defending Freedom is doing in terms of, uh, he used the word homosexuals. She just had no idea. But the former Minnesota Senator, Al Franken, who, yes, admittedly, he left in disgrace because of the Me Too movement, but he caught her in a lie because he had video from 2017 from her hearing to become a federal judge in which she talked all about what she thought about ADF. And how she didn't understand the hate group. And he played that back to back with her testimony. And it just shows she lied. And I want to be fully disclosed here. Full disclosure here. We offered ABF every opportunity to appear on this podcast. And they declined. Of course. I, of course they were going to. But... For me, it just comes down to, it comes down exactly to what's in your article. And you can have the, my attitude is you can have the beliefs you want. That's the freedom of this country. Absolutely. That is the, it's the freedom of this country, but you, but the, but you don't have a right to lie without being called up, called on the carpet for it. And you don't, and the fact of the matter is know who you're sharing a foxhole with. Mm -hmm. And don't try and feign ignorance that you don't when you know you do. I mean, everybody knows what the ADF is about. And this is especially for the trans folk, for the TERFs, the so-called, the I call them the feminists, who turn out for brunch with these people, who take their money, who take their logistical and political support. You cannot turn out for brunch with the ADF and call yourself a feminist. Especially when you know what they, what groups like them and the Heritage Foundation stand for. These are the type of people that believe that The Handmaid's Tale is an instructional guide. Hmm. They think it's a textbook. It's scary. It's scary. Society. No, it's scary because there, there's nothing that's going to stop. Short of uh, too many senators uh, getting COVID and not being able to vote in person, which is the rule, the rule of the Senate. Short of that, or short of Amy Coney uh, Barrett uh, being borked, or something coming out between now and next week, the 26th, this Thursday, uh, tomorrow, we have the uh, committee, the Judiciary Committee is going to vote to confirm, and they have the votes because it's a Republican majority, and then yeah. the Senate's going to vote, and that's the 26th, and they have the majority. Short of some kind of um, Hail Mary, I, I don't see anything stopping her. Yeah. And for me, the same people who said, oh, we should wait for an election to decide, <laughs> for this seat to decide. Yep, when that Merrick shoe was Garland. on the other foot. Merrick Garland. Well, let me ask you a question the Republicans often say. If things were reversed and the Democrats pulled Merrick Garland on the Republicans, which I don't think they would have done. I don't think we played the dirty tricks card. But if the Republicans were the ones claiming we want to have uh, a wait. Wouldn't the Democrats still push forward to have another Democratic justice? 
to secure a majority. Do you think that would have happened? I think the Democrats would have probably pushed forward. Maybe at this point, maybe. Yeah. But here's the thing: when the Democrats had a chance to push forward, when the Democrat before an election year started, the Republicans were trying to block it and did everything to block it. And that's what it is. This is it's it's the same old. It's you know it's it's dirty, but it's legal pol. It it's underhanded politics. But hey, all fair politics is just war by other means, apparently. <laughs> but but ultimately. One thing is for certain that, but I also contend and will continue to contend that no matter, and this goes for everyone, no matter what you do, November 3rd, the real fight begins November 4th. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? Because, I mean, well, my own personal ethos is no matter who wins, I realize that the that the things that, that I care about most aren't really supported by either candidate. So I will have so my job is once once one candidate or the other gets into office is to try and push them in that direction or resist the reactionary direction that they're going in. And that includes being in the streets when Amy Coney Barrett makes that reactionary right wing decision which she will as a justice. When Amy makes that decision on, when Amy makes that decision that upholds, for example, what Texas is doing, saying that if LGBTQ are disabled, our social service administrations in our state don't have to serve you. Should the Supreme Court uphold that, I know I'm going to be in the streets marching against that. If they try and take away take away Obamacare. I'm going to be in the streets marching against that. That'll be one of the first things they tackle. Or they may be tackling the presidential election like they did in 2000. Yes. And before you know it, they're going to be talking about Roe versus Wade. They're going to talk about Oberfell versus Hodges. They're going to talk mm-hmm. about uh, Defensive Marriage Act. They're going to talk about um, the Love ruling. I mean, you know, there are still laws in many states in the South, across the South, that say that sodomy is against the law. And all they need is the Supreme Court to say, "Oh yeah, that's that's against the law," mm-hmm. and those laws go right back into effect. Oh, they're gonna. Oh, they're. Oh, but that is the playbook, and that is what groups like the Heritage Foundation and the ADF have been wanting to do for forty years. Yeah, they got it. And they they want to do it. Well, they they may have it. They may have the the power and the impetus to do it, but. Ultimately, we the people can stop them. We have to be prepared to wear out the shoe leather to do it. Yeah, Whether we have it, to have laws. We have to have the Equality Act. Yes. We have to have a law, a law, not just a Supreme Court ruling, but a law that says women are protected yes. or anyone anyone is protected as far as reproduction rights. We should mm-hmm. say women. We should say reproductive rights are guaranteed because there are a lot of trans men who are also affected by Roe versus Wade. I Even if you're... Even, even if you do, even if you think you don't have a dog in that fight, you do because right. at its core, what is Ro, what is Roe versus Wade about? Men what, telling us what we can do with our bodies. Not beyond, it's it's about body. It's about bodily autonomy. Body autonomy. If you I, can take away, if you can take why away, trans women should be supporting Roe versus oh, Wade. Oh hell! Oh God, yeah. yes. Because if you can take away one person's bodily autonomy, you can take away mine. Yeah, everyone's. And, exactly. and yeah, and and that's healthcare. You can take away a lot of people's bodily autonomy. You should, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, if you're in the spectrum, whether you're cisgender, transgender, whether you whether you are a person that's capable of having children or not, this is your this is your fight because it's not just about that issue. It's about the issue beyond the issue. It is the right for you to decide what you do with your own body. Bodily autonomy means everything to me, and that is a and that's something they want to take away. So that's Thursday and the 26th that uh, that ball will drop. Um, there are options, of course, in a new Senate controlled by Democrats with a new uh, Democratic president. And we might have uh, justices added, so-called packing of the courts. Who knows? We, we may be able to balance this out. I don't know. It's, 
a lot there's a lot of things that have had to happen before that we get to that point. Amy Coney Barrett said something else that really bothered me. She used the word sexual preference. And I was wondering what your thought was about that phrase, because I was schooled by a gay man that using the word, or I was schooled by a gay man that using the phrase sexual preference indicates that I believe there is some kind of choice in being gay, that one decides to be gay. And I learned the hard way that that's really wrong. Some people, including some of our friends at Outsports, are giving Amy Coney Barrett a pass on that, saying it's not such a big deal. What's your feeling? No, no pass. Because I understand what she's saying by saying it, by using that terminology. And, and those gay men could very well be right. But the prop, but you see, it's not so much the terminology, it's the way that it's used. Unfortunately, that terminology has been weaponized. And it's been weaponized for a certain end. The problem is not so much that concept, it's that what the concept's been used for. A good example is transgenderism. Transgenderism oh. is the technical term that is used. Oh, I hate that. You it hate the me, word. Whenever someone yes. uses the word transgenderism, it tells me either they are an enemy of transgender people or they're ignorant. Well, yes and yes. Be yes and yes, because the way that word's been weaponized. WPATH has been using that word from the beginning of their, of their first, of the first WPATH regulations. That word is now not a part of WPATH anymore, in part because, yes, it is archaic, but also it's been weaponized. It, it was imprecise terminology, but eventually it was replaced by better terminology. But in, in many ways, our adversaries know it's archaic, but they use it, and unfortunately, cisgender people believe it. It's the same way with the term sexual preference. We know what we know what sexual preference to to he, to heterosexual people means, and our ever and the adversaries know it too. That's why they use it, even though that word is even though that term in some ways is archaic, and is going out of vogue and has been out of vogue for some time. Uh, the other thing happening Thursday, of course, Carly is uh, for the first time, uh, President. Trump will be muted when he tries to overtalk uh, Joe Biden, the former vice president, who is right now the front runner in the race for the uh, White House. I'm wondering, are you going to watch this last debate? Is there any is there anything to be gained by watching them? I'm going to watch it just for the sheer the sheer sociology and the sheer farce of it. I'll admit, I watched the first one. I watched the vice presidential one. During an election year, I always watch the debates. Even if I know they're farcical, I watch mm -hmm. them. I do watch them. It's a, I, I see it as, in a sense, a civic duty and part of my participatory duty in this democracy to see what's going on and see what they're mm -hmm. saying, even if they're making a complete joke out of it, which, unfortunately, these debates have become. Uh, this is... It, it it's sad what we've seen the 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 Saturday night live version of the debate was more entertaining than the actual one yeah. and actually more informative than the actual one and then you had the dueling town halls oh my goodness the dueling town but you know the dueling town halls to me were more effective than any debate i watched them both and in fact i watched them both simultaneously oh wow I set my streaming. I set my streaming internet on my computer in such a way to where I could watch them both simultaneously. You are amazing. And I was thinking, okay, if it sounds like gobbledygook, then you know it's worthless. If it sound, I mean, if it sounds substantive, you'll be able to hear it. Here's what I heard. What I heard was everything that came out of Joe Biden's mouth. And say what you want about Joe Biden, even if you disagree with him. Joe Biden actually talked about issues. He actually Policy, talked about the yeah. numbers it'll take. He yeah. actually he actually discussed the issues this country faced. He actually answered questions that people had for him. Donald Trump, and I'm gonna say this because I've I've made a point that every time Donald Trump does do a speech, I do watch it. I do watch it. Because 
it confirm because I want I want to continue to all I don't want to be desensitized to him. I want to when I hear his voice, I want to under I want to understand fully what's going on in my head and continue to do it so I can always articulate it. Donald Trump is the most graceless man to ever occupy the office of the presidency of the United States. And it defined graceless. This man has no couth. He he has no it seems like he's had no home training. And that's not just him. It's his the man has no class. No class. That's that's what I mean, there's a reason why just about every exclusive club has turned him down for membership. There's a reason why the reason why he built his own golf clubs is because no other club, no no exclusive club would have him. Because they see this man's too crude to be in the upper crust. And that's the thing I see about the man has no grace. And his whole administration from the moment they got into office, the thing that made me dislike Donald Trump after he got elected was the way his people acted. When they got elected, instead of saying, now's the time to we're going to build our government, transition our government, and help bring our country together and get us moving forward. This is what they said, quote, we don't have to, we don't give a damn about anyone else. We won. It was as if they, um, Tim Wise, the anti-racist author and educator said it best. He said, Donald Trump, Donald Trump was white America's national crotch grab. <laughs> and that is what his presidency has been for four years. And the people around him have been just as tasteless, graceless, classless, poor winners, just people without coos. I'm wondering who their mothers and fathers were, the lot of them, because I'm going to tell you that group of the group of people who were their parents did not raise them well. And it's showing in the way of their actions. It shows in the way he gives a speech. All he taught, he talks about nothing about, he talks about nothing aspirational. It's all about, look at me, look at us. We're winning. We're number, we're number one. All the empty rhetoric and people eat it up. And people eat it up. Is that where we're at in this country? Speaking of rhetoric, Newsweek published today a debate on whether transgender athletes belong in sports. Two women writers tackled the topic. I know you haven't had a chance to read it, but the the anti-trans writer started with the words biological males. So that shows you right then and there where she's coming from. Well, you knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, and well, first, I well, first thing right out of the gate, my first issue with this is who they chose to, who the people they chose for both the the people they chose for the affirmative side. It with friends like that, I kind of yeah. with friends like that, I'm thinking, did I really need an enemy? Well, yeah, really. the, the anti trans author uh, wrote a book called The Transgender Craze uh, uh, Seducing Our Daughters, a book called oh, Irreversible uh, Damage. <laughs> oh, I've actually, you know, I've actually read that book. Abigail Schreier. Yeah, Abigail Schreier. Now, Abigail, now Schreier. let me tell you. Abigail Schreier. Now, Abigail Schreier, I'm going to tell you something. When last women's, I haven't heard seen that name in a while. You know, the last time I saw Abigail Schreier, she was being embarrassed by Dr. Veronica Ivy on the Fox News Network. She was being embarrassed. She was being schooled because she didn't know anything. And that's and and this is just another further example of it. I'm just looking at some of the. I'm just skimming the first few paragraphs, and I see the mm. same things. And I and I see the same things, but on the other side, they they found they found someone they found someone who, quite frankly, in in making the affirmative case, quite frankly, was I think a bit to a bit di- well differential. Number one, I don't mind if I mean 
first off, at least get somebody that can use terminology that's a bit more current and a bit more relevant to a greater majority of trans people and a greater majority of trans people out here. Transsexual is kind of an old term. Now, I know some people may use it, but this person was rather accommodationist. Juliet Jacques. Jacques. No, uh, no, I know where I know you're talking about. Juliet Jacques. Juliet, Juliet Jacques is the one who wrote the um, trans people should compete opinion. She's yes. a trans woman. Yes. Quite frankly, at person, I would have liked an athlete to write it. Of course. I would have liked I would have liked an, an, a person who is a trans athlete on this side, and and I respect the fact that she had her story. And but in just looking at some of the things that she's saying, it comes across somewhat accommodationist. Almost I also wish she didn't bring up Pastor Semenya because Pastor is not trans. Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing, Castor. Castor is not trans, but as a but as a trans woman who is also an athlete, I do support Castor. Oh, of course, same here. I do support. I do support Castor. The community does because even yes. though she's lesbian, um, the big controversy is over her testosterone levels. And what well, we worry about is that restrictions on athletes like Castor might be applied to trans athletes. Well, it. For me, it's at, at a lot of levels. There's that, but also there's the hypocrisy. Like for some, for some, the only, the only restrictions that were put on testosterone were were, were involving the races she runs. For example, if I was a hundred meter, if she was a hundred meter sprinter, no, if she if she was in the hundred, no penalty, no ruling on that. They literally went event from event and said, "No, we're going to make a different rule for this and this." That would be that would be like saying Tiger Woods when he was in his prime and young and great. If they told him you can't use your driver, <laughs> that that's essentially what it was. They they were changing the rules as they went along with this. That and to, and also again, there is also the racial component. The only people that this now all of a sudden this ruling has been used on are athletes who are black and brown from the global south. Three athletes, two other athletes, both of them from sub-Saharan Africa, are caught in this same net the casters in. And even before a caster, there was Duti Chand from India. Yep. And they've all been demeaned. They've all been dragged through the mud. And I truly believe this. And some people are not going to like this statement, but it's the facts. If if Castor Semenya was a white girl from the United States, it don't go. Uh, USA Track and Field would not allow the treatment that Castor had to go through. It's all about the color of their skin. It's all about yes. non-white athletes. But it's all. But but also, it's all about where they come from in the world. Yes, true. I don't. True. I don't even think an African American athlete would be going through the demeaning treatment that Castor has gone through. I don't think you. I would even go as far as say USA Track and Field would not allow that. The USA, U.S. Olympic Committee would not. I don't think that the British Olympic Committee would allow a black British athlete to go through that. Yeah, it's about it's about the fact that they are from what the uh, white world likes to call the third world. Yeah. There's that sound, which means it's time to go to a break. When we come back here to transport the room, we're going to talk about sci-fi, what we've been watching. And what's good and what's coming. And what Dawn tells me something great is on the horizon. This is the transported Ridge. We'll be back. And we're back. I'm Dawn Ennis with Carly Chardonnay Webb. And we're talking sci-fi on the Transporter Room. Carly, I am in the enviable position of having seen the next three episodes of Star Trek Discovery. How are, you get, how are you getting all this stuff? I'm a how journalist. I'm a journalist. I, I'm a journalist too. Nobody's get, nobody's hooking me up. I want the <laughs> hookup. Well, you, you got the first four episodes of Discovery. You got the hookup. CBS uh, reached out to a, a bunch of journalists, and I happen to be one of them, to provide screeners uh, a link to uh, a special channel where I could watch all four episodes of the new third season 
And uh, tomorrow night on Star Trek Discovery, only on CBS All Access, we're going to see what happened to the Discovery when they exited the wormhole that was created by Michael Burnham. And we saw that she's been searching for uh, her crew. Uh, but what's happened since she began her search? What has happened to Discovery? How did they end up in the future? 930 years. Who do they meet? What happens when the crew meets people from the future? What happens after this episode? I can't go into too many details, but I can tell you what's out there already. We're going to meet the first regular non-binary character played by a non-binary actor on Star Trek franchise. The first Star Trek with non-binary actor and character. And that is Blue El, uh, Del Diario. And um, let me try to get that name right. Hang on. Whoops. Blue Del Barrio. Sorry. And that is Blue Del Barrio. And Blue Del Barrio plays a character named Adira. They, in turn, will introduce us to another character. The first repeating character on Star Trek, who's trans, who's played by a transgender actor. That's Ian Alexander playing a character named Gray. And I can't get into how Blue and Ian are part of this storyline. Their characters are connected, and we will explore that in episode four. Episode three next week introduces Adira. And then two weeks from now, we'll get to meet Gray and see the connection between them. And the one thing I can say that isn't a spoiler is that one of these two characters, Gray, is a trill. Okay. There's a lot so going remember on. Dak, There's a lot going Patrick on Deep there. Space Nine. Yep. Like that. Wow, there. They're digging deep. It's amazing. And there is a Deep Space Nine episode I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in a previous episode in which Dax goes to the Trill homeworld. And watching that again will definitely be a good prelude to episode four. Absolutely. But, oh, the show has really hit its its hit its stride. This is uh, the greatest thing that's happened to Discovery. I thought season two was better than season one. Season three so far is so much better than seasons one and two. Well, the point is that's just keep getting them better. I mean, and recently I've finally taken to watching it to, to catching up on Discovery. So I'm at the point where I'm ready for the season premiere for three. Cool. And, you know, CBS is showing on free TV the first season every Thursday night. Not this Thursday night because of the debate. Trump mm-hmm. is preempting Star Trek. Should be a crime. <laughs> But every other Thursday night, there's a well, new um, rerun of an episode from season one. Yeah, but I'll think of it this way. I mean, in a way, there's some Star Trek in that debate. Because for the last year, for the last four years, we've had hardcore Fenton Mud running the country. You're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and- I was. I thought you were going to go with the uh, the the time loop episode on Next Generation, where they keep reliving the same nightmare every every, every couple of minutes. Oh no! So, when I think of Trump, I think of hard. I think of Harry Mudd. Hardcore Phantom Mudd. <laughs> yeah, hardcore. <laughs> I mean, and I hope but, to see. No, we get, I, hope we get to see that character again on Star Trek Discovery. That was I, wonderful in season one. No, no, I'm I'm like I'm I under and I see why people like Discovery so much. I've really enjoyed the show. I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to this third season. Also, I like the fact that I like the fact that we're seeing diversity and talent, but then again, Star Trek's always been known for that. I like the fact that there could be a Ben Cisco series coming up. I heard about that. And you aren't you binging something else? Aren't you binging the other? Yes, I have finished. I finished lower. Like last week, I finished lower decks. I got through. I got through the. I got through lower decks. I didn't realize the voice talent they're using for lower decks. I didn't realize 
they got some very i mean i didn't realize how good the voice talent was i mean getting tawny newsom in and jerry o'connell don don lewis they went way i mean that's digging deep in the hole for that one i'm not i'm not a fan of that style of animation but it's it worked with the the comedic aspect of the show I mean, it's better than the old 1970s Star Trek animated series. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't make black people a cat in this one, like they did in the 1970s animated series. True. And I and I like the cameo in the last episode. If you haven't watched, yeah, it, we can't. Don't spoil it. No spoilers. One, I'm not going to say it. But there is a very prominent cam- cameo in that. Who is them actually? Well, yeah. What? What? Two cameos. That was a well. That was well done. Yes, it was. It was that well was, done, and they used the. Uh, appropriate theme music from a previous Star Trek franchise. So I really loved the episode finale. I thought it was really well done. I look forward to seeing what happens in season two of Lower Decks. And not only that, but Star Trek Discovery got the green light for season four. Next month, they're going to start filming season four of Star Trek Discovery. Yay! You know that That Star Trek Discovery was the first Hollywood TV series to have its post-production entirely done remotely at home? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, but it shows what the te- it shows what we can do with the technology. Because I looked at some of the stuff that they were doing for the post prod, and basically they were using stuff you can you can pop on down to your local Apple store or Microsoft store and buy. <laughs> that I mean, granted, you really have to soup them up. Yeah. But yeah. basically, the computer that's on my desk, essentially a, a more advanced a, a more hyped up specialized version of it posted discovery during this pandemic and i'm very excited to have two star treks on tv at the same time um and to uh be enjoying the fact that um there's more star trek coming with um section 31 Mm -hmm. and maybe a cisco series and they're talking about a new star trek movie which we're still undetermined about which star trek plot it will be and from for also for me Seeing, seeing non-binary and trans characters in Star Trek, and thinking about that also got me thinking about something else I binge watched recently. What was that? That had it has nothing to do with sci-fi, but it has something to do with the diversity we're talking about. Well, since 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 I got since I want to watch Picard so bad, I end up getting CBS All Access, and I happened to dig around and realized. Oh, oh! You can watch current. You can watch past seasons of current stuff that the network shows. So I happen to click on the bold and the beautiful. This is the fifth anniversary of the trans storyline they did. This year is the fifth anniversary of that storyline. Wasn't Turner Scott Schofield? Yes, Tur- yeah, Scott Turner Schofield was a. Oh, I love. It Scott was kind Turner of a semi regular. Was a semi regular character during that. Can you believe that was five years ago? Wow. I like the way they did it because it's well done. They went to Glad with it. Glad checked the scripts. They did. I I look back at like a lot of the news reports on it. The only down, the only downside was the the, the, the main trans character in the storyline was played by a cis actress. Only down with that. But you know, but but Scott was the first transgender actor nominated for an Emmy. Yeah. The first ever transgender actor nominated for him before is, Laverne Cox. Why why are we not seeing more of him? That's the only thing. I mean, I wanna I wanna see more. I mean Well, I know he's been busy doing his one man show and doing a lot of um uh professional uh, presentations to corporations and to agencies to try and help uh you know with transgender equality in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So I know that's basically been his gig, but you know, his his one man show has been a hit. And yeah, I'd love to see him acting again. Absolutely. Well, I, one thing I noticed in watching it is how forceful he was in that role. Even though, in some ways, he was even you. You can act when even when you're playing yourself, it's memorable, and it has something to say. And he. How about we invite him on the show? Why don't we invite him on the podcast? I'm all for it. Hey, Scott, want to do the podcast? Can we beam me up? Let's do this. But I was thinking about I was I was thinking about that when you were talking about the new characters coming in Discovery. And in a lot of ways it shows, yes, we have a long way to go, but 
distance has been made. Yeah. Di- distance well, we're, has... we're friends. Um, I got to meet him when I was working in LA for The Advocate. And uh, a very powerful presence and an amazing actor. So I'll reach out to him tonight since he's uh, LA time and, uh, and see if we can get him to, uh, to be on a future episode. That would be awesome. We've also had um, a positive response from Caroline Late, uh, the rugby athlete. Um, yes. She wants to be on the podcast. And you have booked uh, Helen. I forget Helen's last name. Well, we're, we're getting her. We're working on getting her. All right. We're, we're Somebody hopeful. we're working on for a future show. We're working on from um, National Center for Lesbian Rights. Um, right, right. Helen Carroll. We're working on. Carol, we're Helen working Carol, on getting her on for, show. We want you on the for show. An up, we're working on getting her for an upcoming show because, I mean, this is a person who's been. This is a. This is a person who's been fighting some some fights that are directly involved with the with the situations we're seeing in Connecticut and Idaho, and fought him in the trenches. I mean, I was talking to some other people who have seen some of her work over the years, and she was among those that got roller that got roller derby going in an, in an inclusive direction. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, this is a person who's been in the been in the fights before we re- realize it was a fight. So well, we're, gonna work, we can get, we're working on getting her for a few for a show in the near future. I certainly hope we can get her. We'd love to have the ACLU come back, Chase Strangio or another representative. Yeah. And, and also, again, I can't also, say it enough. Hey, I can't say it enough. Alliance Defending Freedom. If you come on the show, I promise you will get your say. We will not interrupt you. We will not mock you. We will not make you feel unwelcome. We will give you an opportunity to present your case, but then you'll have to answer our questions. That's all we ask is that you put yourself out here and let us ask you questions. And I'm sure Carly and I can uh, vow that we will be respectful, even though we don't agree. Yeah, well, that is, to me, that is the strength of the fourth estate, is that you do get a say that you get your say and an opportunity to present your case and make your case. But at the same time, while you do have a right to your own opinion, you don't have a right to your own facts. And that's the other job of the journalist, to get the fact, to get at the facts, to discuss the facts, to go through the facts, and at times even debate the facts. But no, I, I would like to see their group come into our forum. And, oh, and we will give them a fair hearing, and we'll give them a fair hearing. Yeah, sure. We've never had anybody on who we have never who we, we've never had anyone on that we've disrespected. Everyone gets a fair hearing, and I do love that quote. That's Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, the late yeah. great senator from New York, who said, "You're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own set of facts." That's one of my favorite quotes. I use it often. <laughs> well, well Carly, it makes it makes sense, and also to our to our listeners, is there if there's something you want to see. Is there someone you want to hear from? Pitch us, hey, pitch it. Send, tweet send us. us a tweet. Send, send us a message tweet. on Facebook. Send us a Facebook message. We're here. We're here because ultimately, we love this show, but also we do it for you. Is yeah, there we someone love the you want to hear the listeners from? Listeners are king. Oh, uh, and one hey, last, queen. and also one last <laughs> thing: a, a special shout out to a good friend of ours in New Zealand, Alice Sober. Oh. Who's celebrating? Who is celebrating a big victory? Because because the person the the election the the election candidate that she that she organized for in New Zealand for the Labour Party, Jacinda Ardern, won in a landslide. Oh, I remember her talking so about that. They won in a, they won in a, I mean, probably the most fam- the most popular New Zealander and perhaps the most popular head of state in the world right now. I would agree. Stephen Colbert's new best buddy. Yes. And one one, over the, one last Alice weekend in a landslide. That's why she won. <laughs> well, you know, Alice is going to run it straight at you. So, Well, that was, a, that was a fun episode. I look forward to having her back soon. She wants to come back. We will definitely do that. Let's just get through this terrible period of American history in which I'm going to explode if um, things don't turn out the way I hope. Well, well, I'm just hoping to quote Gerald Ford that our long national nightmare, nightmare is finally over. Yeah. Um, just a, a shout out then to all the listeners to let them know if you're feeling especially anxious right now, if you're feeling stressed out, if your mental health is not as good as it usually is, you're not alone. We are all in this together. 
we are all feeling it. I saw a story on the news on NBC last night about how mental health concerns are up like 878%. So just know that there's help available. We want you to be okay. We don't want you to take desperate measures. We just want you to reach out to us. Uh, Carly works at Trans Lifeline and uh, has one of her jobs. And tell Carly, tell the folks how they can uh, uh, get help if they're trans and they, they, they feel the stress is just more than they can bear. We're, we're here. We're going to be here. one 565 8860 the trans lifeline is is rammed by trans people it's of trans people it's for trans people and we've had we've seen a lot of call we our call volume since march and the start of this pandemic call volumes went up like almost 90 percent and i know there's going to be a lot of anxious people and in trans communities and lgbtq communities and communities all over the place our our community of listeners i know there's going to be there's going to be there's a lot of people holding their breath right now there's a lot of people worried right included <laughs> but it's Include great that. that that resource is out there so yes, it is. take advantage of it it's not a suicide hotline it is a lifeline it is a way to get help when you're feeling there's just no one to help you so reach out you might even talk to carly well, what, what is it now? Two weeks left? Less than two weeks. 13 well, days. We'll be, back in, we'll be back in a week's time, back here with another episode of the Transporter Room. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. Live long and prosper. Steady as she goes. Dawn, take us out. I am Dawn Ennis. Second star to the right. And straight on till morning.